0: Well, let's just get back to it. I arrived in New York City, November 1st, 2008, two weeks before I started my new job at Starbucks. Charles had picked me up from the airport. I had two suitcases, my laptop, and a broken heart that I thought could never be put back together. I loaded the bags in the car, and we drove off. He talked about many things. I could not hear a word he was saying. My mind was blank. I had lost a job. I had worked for 14, 15, maybe 16 years, left my daughter in Chicago, I lost the relationship I had given my all to. We drove to his house and unloaded the bags. I took them to the second floor. Charles' partner was away at the Navy base and was returning home later that night. We talked of all that had happened, my breakup from 12, the pain I was feeling the loss of my job and how much weight I had lost. This talk went on and on until I went to sleep. I got in the same bed I had shared with 12 during my visit in April. I thought of how we laid in that bed and we talked and the things we had done during our visit I felt the loss so deep that night. I wondered what 12 was doing. Finally, I went to sleep only to dream of 12 and to find myself awakening early to get on the express bus to the city with Charles. This was going to take my mind off of 12, and it did. I could feel the excitement from the city under my feet. As I walked down 34th Street to 454 and 5th to the office of Jay-Z, where Charles partner worked. work. However, we all took the train back to Faraway Rockaway. Going back into the house, it was dinner time. Charles could see that I had lost so much weight over this matter, and would cook meals every night, and I still did not eat. What I did was sit on the sofa. I read books to keep my mind off at 12. Nothing really worked. The weekend finally came, and it was time to go out and meet someone. And I would be able to get over 12 and live in New York City. Sad to say that day. Came June 17, 2009. I had to still go through a lot more pain of missing, wishing, not eating, sleeping around, and reading books to get to a place of okayness, of being with me. I did short videos on Facebook. Got online to hook up with others. I went to clubs to meet people. And I slept with them the first night. This went on for days, weeks. I tried going to meetings. My first few weeks there would not work. I got up every day to go to work knowing And meeting new people. I could remember standing at the c- coffee pouring a cup for a customer and thinking, what if he saw me here? What would he think of me? I could feel the shame. Being at my new job, the partners welcomed me. I walked into a Starbucks on 36th Street in Madison, smiling. Jackie. The store manager said, hi, and took me to the back room. There was clothes, shoes, and a desk full of random papers. She handed me a book and told me where the restrooms were, asked if I wanted anything to drink. This was November 14, 2008. That's when I began my journey with Starbucks. I had went on the interview in October 2008 after being fired from Whole Foods Market in August of 2008 for stealing. After being with a company for over 15 years, this was something I would never expect to happen. I had an expense account, flights from city to city, a nice bank account, a half a million dollars in stock options, and Anaya, my daughter. In spite of going through the breakup with 12, who cheated, left me for a young man who lived in Atlanta, I went to the interview in New York to get a job. At the same time, I was in the process of interviewing with a company in St. Louis. It was looking very promising. I turned it down out of fear. Starbucks made me an offer. I choose the big city. This is where 12 talked about coming after living in Atlanta. In my mind, if I got there first, we would live together. He would leave. Ale, come be with me. The thought of continuing my career with a company in St. Louis my daughter, or my home I had brought. I still wanted to be back with them, And this would bring him back after arriving November 1st. One had gone by. The partners at Starbucks had given me a birthday party after only being there one month. I had met Lorenzo, a friend of David, And we all began to hang out, to go to clubs. I was in full swing. But I was living in Far Rockaway with Charles. The time had come for me to find my own place. Charles was out of a job. His partner was not happy with that. And attention was on. I would cook. Charles would clean around me. I would take a shower, shave. He would say things about the restroom being clean. So I stayed away as much as I could. He could see me getting better on the outside. We have a little talk at the island in the kitchen about a man I met and who I should date, his partner, would add a few comments from time to time. Leave Tony alone. He's been hurt Charles he needs to have fun. I would go off to my room and call a random man I had met after being out over the weekend. Or search online for a place to live after being on the job for a month. Javid, a young man I met in Chicago who was there for business during November 2008's election. Obama was to be named the first African-American president of the United States of America. Javid had come to New York with his friend to visit, and we had stayed in contact. He visited me. And we went to a Christmas party. I got to meet more of his friends. They lived in New York. Very fun night. Out with Jamaicans everywhere. Some holiday party. He took me home after the party to Far Rock Ray. I brought him upstairs. And he wanted sex. Put on a condom. Again, I fucked him. We rested and he left early that morning to drive back to his friend's house in Yonkers. Months, week had passed and I was in touch with Javi, London, a young man from FIT, Lorenzo and a few others I care not to name. Internet sex was full swing. This all kept me from thinking of 12 with work, learning the new tools, getting around New York City, I had no time to think of him or feel the pain. Going to meetings crossed my mind. I tried. It was just not working. Like the people and the sex, mid-December, has sucked up. It snuck up on me. And I had gone to this one meeting and met a few people. They told me of a Christmas party that would be happening that night. I snuck snuck around, and I met Michael B. The first thing crossed my mind is to find out what kind of money he had and where did he live. It was game time. We talked. I helped him set up the party. He found out how much time I had and what meetings I was going to. He suggested I go to AG, his group. I stayed late to help him clean up, took Michael's number. In addition, I met many other people from the group called AG. After a few weeks, Christmas had came and gone I would call Michael to let him know what was going on with my living arrangements. I met with him at a meeting on Tuesday. It's a big group, a Tuesday night meeting. Ran into a few men and felt really uncomfortable. Never went back and talked to Michael from time to time. One day, he told me, I can come and stay at his place for a few days because he would be out of town. Sweet. Finally, I get to live in the city and stay out late and party with David and friends that had moved to New York six years prior to me moving there. I could see more of my fuck buddies meet more people to sleep with. I had, to, I had too long of a ride back to Far Walkaway. to let Charles know I would be living in the city for a few days. This would give him and his partner the house back for a few weeks. I packed my bags, a big suitcase, and took the train to 61st and 1st Avenue. I arrived, two big suitcases, three flights of stairs. Nice, cozy, clean. He had a cat had to take care of. It was the perfect place for me. This was short-lived after staying out late and having to sleep with Michael. He was ready for me to go. I know where to really go. His mother was dying, and he needed to go back to take care of her. Service and be with his family. He asked me to leave. He stood in his kitchen and had no place to go. So I offered him my diamond ring. There was this man standing there telling me I would bring bedbugs to his house. And he can't trust me. Telling me I had to go. I remember seeing Tina Turner movie, What Love Has to Do With It. She stood in the lobby of a hotel after running across the freeway in Los Angeles or Vegas, fear for her life. That was, that's what was going through my head. Like, her story, fearing her life, that's what was running through my head. When he was asking me to leave, depression and fear hit as if I if it didn't it hit like it hit her. I saw her giving the front desk clerk her ring. And when I offered Michael my diamond, I said, please let me stay here. I have nowhere to go from here. He took my ring and gave it back, saying, "Okay." I was relieved. Just when I got on the ball, it was work and finding a place to live. Michael was away, taking care of his family, and I was out having fun, working, looking for a place to live. By the end of January, I was moving into my place in Clint Hill, Brooklyn. And that's when it all changed. By the end of January, I moved into my place in Clinton Hill, Brooklyn. That's when I started to pray, meditate. I talked about that book, One Day My Soul Opened Up. And I spent January, February, and March working on myself, going to meetings, having a steady place to stay. It all changed. The meetings start working. I remember calling Robbie, and he said, I'll take you to get your stuff. And he moved me into my apartment in Far Rockaway, from Far Rockaway to Clinton Hill, Brooklyn. I got all of my belongings. And I started to go to meetings. praying, reading that book, answering those questions every night, starting my day in the morning. I had met Brian, meeting with him. Things changed. That's when I started to find God. As a little boy, I can't remember my grandmother taking me and my brothers to church with her. I remember my church clothes. We got dressed up early. male I would say. She would wake up and make a Sunday dinner, put it in an oven, or we'll have one of my older kids make sure it got warmed up because. We'll make it back at night. As far as I can remember, I never really got it. Never really got the God thing as a kid. But this day in New York City, something happened. Sunday dinners, church clothes, people's Staying late, men with white gloves on, women falling out, preachers collecting money, Sunday school, Bible study. Or God, for that fact. I just wanted to get out of the house. Could never stay awake. Half the time, I didn't know what the words were to songs or how to follow I would just sit there. The ladies had to wear white on the first Sunday. They also got to wear hats, big hats. I just could never understand what all this had to do with God. As I got older, I grew far apart from it. I began to watch things on TV. I had no God. I was just a skinny boy with a lot of fear and wanted my mom. God was for my grandmother and some of the other kids. I could not get it. I always liked the idea. I just didn't know how to get close to it. And by the time I was 10, he was like, He was not going to have anything to do with me. I didn't want, and I didn't want anything to do with him. To me, God wanted people who understood him. Those who went to church, wasn't on drugs, or had a mother that wasn't a hooker. He only wanted clean people, people with money who could give to the church. I started to like what my uncle would do to me. Therefore, I knew God was not gonna be a part of my life. I could remember telling my mom, grandma, I did not believe in God so I could hurt her feelings. I believed, I just didn't know how to. We was sitting talking one day and I said, Mother Nature grew these trees. She was trying to ask me about God if I knew him or if I believed in him. I was so arrogant and disrespectful at the time in my life. I couldn't even listen to her. She sat there smiling, looking at me. There was many times I would wish, watch her read the Bible, drink coffee and smoke cigarettes, there was also the times I would watch her sing songs, sit and pray, and be that person that God wanted her to be. Mella was quiet, loving, calm, warm, and helpful. And I lived in fear of what would happen to her daughters, Teresa, Patsy Diane, Anita, Carol, and and Patricia. And that fear came, because Patsy was murdered. My mom, Diane, died. Carolyn was murdered. Cherise died, and Patricia died. Mayella, my grandmother, pray for these girls. Yet they gave her so much hail, I could remember them being disrespectful, unloving, abandoning her at times. My grandmother had a mental illness. She had three sisters, two brothers. Yet to me, as a child, I would see her as the outsider. The three sisters always stuck together. And my grandmother was always the longer. I believe this is why. She found and needed God in her life. As a little boy, I always felt sad for her. I could see and feel her pain. I never knew where the pain she had came from or why she was so sad at times. My grandmother would never let us see her sweat. She tried to hide her illness at times. At some point, we grew to accept it. Others used it to bring harm to us and the family. Her sisters had her locked up, saying she set their house on fire. To her, two of her sisters, the one she took in when they had nowhere to go. Just before this happened, Mahila lived in a four-bedroom apartment with her grandchildren and two grandkids. Hattie had three, Martha had three. This is when I knew my grandmother had God After they put her out, she still welcomed these women into our home. So when I found God, I found my grandma, Because I knew she prayed for me. So in January. But things changed for me in New York. And I got my own place. And I started to feel better. And I stopped sleeping around. Started working with Brian. Started going to meetings. And I started praying. And one day my soul opened up. I felt the spirit of God. And I awakened one morning as the sun shined through the window and the call came through and it was 12. He said, Anthony, I need your help. I remember telling him to hold on. I asked God what would want me to do. A part of me wanted to help him. A part of me didn't. But the book that I was reading, One Day My Soul Opened Up told me it was okay. Because if I loved him the way I loved him, it was okay to help him. And I did. So I said, what do you need? He said, I need to be with you. Because I have nowhere to go. He put me out. And we had a fight and I'm in jail and all of these things. And I told him to pack his bags. I'll buy him a plane ticket. He can come to New York. I brought him to New York. I wasn't ready for that. Cause I, thought I had enough God, and I did enough work. And when he got there, it started off really nice. And I remember him laying there hurting the way I hurt. And all I can think of is how can I take care of him? And I did. That's all God wanted me to do. But I crossed that line and I wanted more. He was the same person he was when he left me for L. And there's that being blinded by that love. And I kept letting that rise like water. And I thought it was him that was making me feel okay. When in reality, it was him making me uncomfortable because God was doing something with me. And I didn't get it then. So I've played the role. I played the role being with him when he really wasn't with me still and didn't want to. He just needed relief. He needed to feel valued and loved and validated. I did all those things, but I had expectations with them. And I watched him feel better with the bank account, a credit card, a job, meeting my friends, dressing well, living in New York, who wouldn't feel good. The energy comes from your feet to your crown and your head. Taking them around my friends felt wonderful. But I still felt that thing because I knew he still loved that person that he left me for, the house that they never got, the marriage that that never happened, the beating that he had to take, getting put out and coming to me and laying in my bed hurting and me taking my American Express card, paying for him to see a psychiatrist, I remember walking down the street in Brooklyn to the psychiatrist. And he said, what do you want me to do? Continue to apologize. And I remember saying yes without a blink of an eye. Yes, I do. I wanted him to say, I'm sorry, I hurt you. And I watched him change again. And something clicked inside of me. Again, God wasn't done with me growing. Someone was watching my behavior. The day came that I said his things outside my apartment and told my roommates never to let him in again. I took my credit card, my watch, my ring, locked him out of my account, fired him from my job, stopped him from getting another job. And I had a few dollars of his. And I knew God went through with me because when I told Brian, he said, I will go with you to meet him so you can give him his money back. And when we sat in that coffee shop waiting for him to show up, Remember, Brian is beautiful. He sat next to me, close to me. And 12 walked through that door and saw me sitting with Brian. And his head went back. I handed him his money, he looked at Brian, he looked at me, and I haven't seen him in 12 years since. Do I think of him? Yes. Do I love him? Yes. Do I wish him the best? Yes. Do I need him? No. I'm grateful for him. He taught me how to love someone and to acknowledge my harms, and to lean closer to God. to be willing there's days that I miss him but I don't need to be with him today I sit in my home the same home that that journey started I sleep in my bed, the same bed. I stand in the kitchen, the same kitchen where he passionately kissed me. I walk out the same door that I locked His things outside of. And I don't regret it. And if I was to see him today, I will remind him how much I love him. And I would thank him for coming into my life.